Hello, I am Heidi and welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we talk to real people and share true stories of overcoming life's challenges. We are taking life's lemons and making lemonade. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Chris. Welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I'm so looking forward to getting to know you and I can't wait to hear your story. So start out by telling me just a couple of little things about yourself. Well, I'm 45 years old. I am married and I've been married for 21 years to the same woman. We have two daughters who are teenagers. One is about to turn 18, actually. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we've got a we've got a very full life. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's great. I've been married 30 years, so I get that. And with the teenagers, it's great. It's a beautiful time of life. So that's awesome. Well, congrats. Thank you Thank for you. telling me about that. But I got to hear more. I, I need to know your lemon to lemonade story. You have something that's happened to you and something you've done because of it. So I want to hear all about it. Why did you do what you do? Well, I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer when I was 26. And uh, I'd been married for two years at that time, just out of college, basically working in real estate. Um, my life was going pretty well. I was excited about what I was doing. I was a musician. I was buying houses and fixing them up and I had some rental property and, you know, I was just a very ambitious young fella. And, uh, I started having abdominal pain and, uh, I thought it would probably go away and, and it would, it would sort of come and go, uh, throughout the year. And eventually it got worse and, uh, instead of getting better. <laughs> so, got referred around, but eventually a gastroenterologist did a colonoscopy and found a golf ball sized tumor in my large intestine and said, you've got colon cancer. Mm. So that was, that was a big lemon. It was shocking. I, it was hard to believe it didn't seem real. And, um, of course it, it definitely was real. <laughs> it was biopsy confirmed cancer. You know, I kind of felt like my life was over and it was a very difficult thing to process having a, a life-threatening disease that could potentially shorten your life significantly. You know, am I going to be alive in two years or five years or 10 years? Who knows? Of course, no one knows, right? And the way I was treated by the cancer industry was very typical, very typical in the sense that most cancer patients have no idea really what cancer is. Like they don't understand the disease. They don't know what causes it. They don't know uh, what to do about it. And they don't have any time to read or research or learn from other survivors. They are rushed into treatment, whether it's surgery, chemo, radiation. I was rushed into surgery. They wanted to have me in surgery just within a couple of days. I mean, it was just instantaneous. Can, how fast can we get you into, in, into the hospital? And I wasn't even, you know, it was like I was having pain, but I wasn't debilitated. I postponed the surgery about a week and a half, and I went in on December 30th. And they took out a third of my large intestine. That's where the tumor was. And when I woke up, they said, it's worse than we thought, you're stage 3C. And what that means is the tumor had spread, the cancer had spread from the tumor to surrounding lymph nodes. And I was told the next step would be nine to 12 months of chemotherapy. Hmm. So, you know, things kind of went from bad to worse. You know, it was cancer was scary enough. Now it's like, okay, yeah, you're, you have to do chemo. And I had seen, what chemotherapy does to humans. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen it. 
I didn't know anybody close to me that had gone through it, but I definitely seen chemo patients in the world. And, and I just saw myself as a chemo patient and it was a pretty scary, uh, proposition, but I just accepted, you know, I guess this is my life. This is what I have to do. A couple things happened in the hospital. The first thing that happened was I was served a sloppy Joe as my first meal. After, after just having, having your colon, part of your colon <laughs> yeah. taken out. Oh, that is correct. no. Yeah. Oh, no, no. You know, and the sloppy Joe is the food that no one, nobody wants a sloppy Joe. No one asks for no. sloppy Joes, right? No, no one's, they don't serve them in restaurants unless it's a very obscure restaurant somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I just remember going gross. Like oh, why my. are they serving this horrible, just industrial cafeteria food to sick people? Then a few days later, I was recovering. I was, you know, getting better from the surgery and I was told, okay, you can go home today. And my surgeon came in to check on me and I just happened to ask him, Hey, is there any food I need to avoid? Because I'm a pretty rational person. Right. And I was just thinking, well, I mean, you know, everything you eat is going through your colon, right? It's all going down the tube. Yeah. And, uh, is there any food that might mess it up? right? They cut out a section and sewed it back together. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't want to eat the wrong thing and have to come back to the hospital. Absolutely. And his answer was, no, just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. I mean, <laughs> that was it. There was wow. no dietary advice. There was no nothing, right? No advice whatsoever about health or nutrition, healing, wellness. That started to get the wheels turning because I was just like, you know, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense I mean, I wasn't a healthy guy, but I knew there was a world of health out there. I actually worked at a wild oats, which got bought by Whole Foods, became Whole Foods. But I worked at a natural health grocery store in college for a year or two. Like I was around that stuff. Why is there such a huge disconnect between healthcare and healthy living? Yeah. I, I know the answer now, but I didn't at the time. The answer is uh, there's no money in health. <laughs> there's only money in disease. That's where you make money. You make money treating disease. You don't make money helping people stay healthy. Mm-hmm. There's no money in fruits and vegetables. There's no money in food. You can make money in supplements, but it pales in comparison to the, to the amount of money you can make from pharmaceuticals. You know, you're talking billions of dollars per drug in profit for new pharmaceuticals. So. There's no incentive for the pharmaceutical industry, the healthcare industry, the medical industry, and they're all in bed together, obviously, for them to really prioritize diet and lifestyle medicine and to prioritize prevention. Because again, if you prevent the disease, you can't make any money treating it, right? I've got a lot of friends that are doctors, but doctors need sick people. Yeah. to make a living. Like they need people to have problems <laughs> to right. come to their office so they can treat them. And sometimes uh, doctors are very effective at, you know, treating your condition or reversing it, especially in the hospital, you know, if you have a gunshot wound or you're in a car wreck. But when it comes to chronic disease, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune disease, all of these non-acute diseases that develop over time, the medical industry has failed to cure them for the most part. The best you can hope for with with most diseases is to get on a pharmaceutical drug and take it for the rest of your life. And over time, your health gets worse and then you require more drugs 
you know, for, for other conditions. And then you're taking drugs for the side effects of drugs or the side effects of drugs. And you just end up in this vicious cycle where your health is spiraling down. And, uh, and there's so many people like that right now, especially in the United States, they're taking two, three, four, five, six medications, 10 medications a day, right? And they're just trapped and they don't, they don't understand. They just think they have to take all these drugs to, to function. They're what I call vertically ill. And, and that's really what the pharmaceutical industry wants you to be. They want you to be vertically ill, right? You can function, right? You can get out of bed and function. That's vertical illness. Horizontal illness, <laughs> you can't function. You're in bed, okay. Right? I've jumped ahead, but I'm just sharing some of the things I've learned. So back to my story, I go home from the hospital. I'm recovering. I'm weaning myself off the pain medication because I just didn't like that the feeling of being on it. And as I sobered up, I just really started thinking about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and whether or not I wanted to do chemotherapy. And I didn't want to do it. It didn't make sense to me, this idea that you have to poison your way back to health, right. that that's the only way to survive cancer is to in inject this incredibly toxic and in many cases, cancer-causing chemical or, chem or, or cocktail of chemicals into your body and cause massive damage and hope that on the other side of that, after you've wrecked your body, that cancer can't thrive you know, in this weakened body and that you can recover. But I didn't know what else to do. And so I prayed about it. And I was like, I basically just said, God, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, please show me. I don't know what to do. You know, like this doesn't make sense. I need help. You know, it's just a simple prayer of desperation and also faith. You know, I was believing that God was going to answer me. And um, two days later, I got a book that was sent to me from a man in Alaska who knew my dad and this book was written by another another guy who had healed colon cancer or so he claimed with a raw food diet and juicing so he changed his diet radically changed it and his life and this was 30 years prior so he had you know it's just alive and well and it, it kind of made it his mission to help people his name is george malcolmus so I come, came across George in his book and I just knew it was an answer to prayer. I was like, yeah, I prayed for something. This showed up. Okay, this makes sense to me. And he was making the case that the reason that we're so sick is because of our food, right? Our diet and our lifestyle choices are, are creating most of our chronic diseases. Not all, but most. Got, just got excited about changing my life. And I thought, well, if this guy, you know, adopted a raw food diet, only ate organic fruits and vegetables only uncooked right in their natural state just like the garden of eden and he got well maybe i can get well maybe i can heal yeah. so i immediately went to went to whole foods loaded up the cart bought a juicer and like i'm doing this it was a pretty easy decision for me because it made sense and i was excited to find out what would happen because right. it was such a strange i mean i'd never heard of the raw food diet before this was january 2004 so it wasn't on there was no social media there were no you know raw influencers <laughs> right you know like it just the raw food diet i quickly learned was a diet for sick people and weirdos <laughs> <laughs> and i was both so yeah, yeah they were your kind yeah <laughs> you yeah it's perfect for me can, I changed my diet overnight. And that's the uh, thing. Anyone can change their diet overnight. Yeah. But you don't need 
a high school diploma or a college degree or special permission. Like you don't need anything, right? Anyone can do this. You don't need a new year's resolution. Yeah. You don't need a resolution. That's right. You, can like, do it. you just have to decide to do it. Like I'm right. doing it. So started eating raw food and, and just figured out, okay, what do I need to eat to fill me, fill me up? And I figured out like, okay, I'm, I'm going to drink 64 ounces a day of fresh vegetable juice. It was mostly carrot juice in the beginning. And then I started adding more things to it, but, um, and did some juice fasting and then started making these giant salads, giant bowls full of vegetables. And when you say salad, people think like, oh, it's just a bunch of lettuce, but no, it's like broccoli, cauliflower, kale, cabbage, onions, mushrooms, peppers, you know, lots of spices like oregano, garlic, cayenne pepper, turmeric, curry powder, um, and then sprouts, sprouted uh, mung beans, sprouted garbanzo beans, apple cider vinegar, olive oil, amazing, delicious anti-cancer meal. And I realized, okay, well, this is like, it's a bunch of vegetables in a giant bowl and I can eat this twice a day. I just need to do this. I need to keep it really simple. I need to overdose on nutrition and this is how I'm going to do it. Right. Cause if I'm not doing chemo, I better do something drastic. Right. I better right. do something just as extreme because chemotherapy yeah. is an extreme approach. Absolutely. But extremely healthy. So that became my default daily routine and I. So nothing was, else, no meat or anything else, just no meat. Raw vegetables. No, meat, no dairy, no milk, no processed food, no store, no, no junk food, no fast just food, but just fruits and vegetables, fresh juices. So, and I started to feel really good. I mean, the first few days it was weird, you know, because when you adopt a diet like that, you're going to have withdrawal. Absolutely. You're going to withdraw from sugar and caffeine and, and, and uh, a diet that's high in fat and protein. You will have withdrawal. So you'll just feel low energy, fatigue, you know, just you don't feel great. And a lot of people try that and they don't feel good. And they think, oh, I just can't do this because my body needs protein or whatever. But what they don't understand is that's not why they feel bad, right? They feel bad because they're withdrawing and detoxification is happening too. Absolutely. So after you get over the first few days, usually for most people, like three or four days, and then you start to feel really good. And I did. Things were going well. But meanwhile, I was getting a bunch of pressure from friends and it's mostly family members to do chemotherapy because word had gotten around. Oh, Chris is doing some weird, weirdo diet. And he's thinks he's going to cure his cancer with carrot juice. And like, we got to talk some sense into him. You know, he's going to die. He's whatever. So I was getting phone calls from concerned family members and telling me, you know, you got to do what the doctor says. Don't you think they, they would know if there was something better out there. And that was rough. Yeah. That was hard because I felt so confident in what I was doing. And then everyone around me was like, no, you're wrong. What did your wife think about it? My wife also did not like it. Okay. Yeah, that'd be hard. She was, yeah, she was very uncomfortable with what I was doing. Yeah. Because her family, and I love her family, by the way, but they were just very conventionally minded at that time. It was just like they went to the doctor for everything. My oh, family this was, was 20 not. years ago. This was yeah. kind of a newer-ish thing then. So yes. that would be really scary. That created a lot of stress and a lot yeah. of tension in our house, in our relationship. And and I, I reluctantly agreed to go see this oncologist that I'd been referred to just to appease family members. So we go to the cancer clinic and it's, I mean, the waiting room is packed. It's, it's, I'm looking around at all these people. 
in the waiting room and there was no one in there like me. And when I say that, I mean, there was no one in there. I was 26. There was no one in there like under 50. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, it was like everybody there was like twice my age, three times my age. And it just felt so out of place. And I just felt like, God, I don't belong here. We're sitting on the couch and the, t you know, watching the television, waiting to go back. And Jack LaLanne comes out on one of these morning shows. I don't even remember which one, but he comes out and he starts talking about juicing and eating fruits and vegetables. And this is the reason we're all so sick is because we're eating all this man-made processed food and junk food. And he said, if man made it, don't eat it. <laughs> and I'm like, looking at my wife going, can you believe this is on right now? Like right. in the cancer, like, this is what yeah. I'm talking about. Like, this is what I'm like, this guy is preaching to me right now. Yeah. She was like, yeah, it's pretty weird. So we go back and see the oncologist and he was a very, you know, very mechanical kind of almost burnout guy. You could just tell like, and I, I, I have sympathy for doctors. I mean, they see, 20, 30, 40 patients a day, you know, and it's just exhausting. And so I'm just another guy, just another cancer patient, you know, okay. And he said, well, you're 26, you have young adult colon cancer, which is very aggressive in young adults. You've got about a 60% chance of living five years with treatment. And then, and, and, and I, when he said that, I was like, man, 60%, that's kind of low. I mean, that's like pretty close to 50%, which we know is basically a coin toss. Yeah. So I wasn't inspired, you know, it wasn't, he wasn't inspiring very much confidence in treatment and survival. I asked him if there were any alternative therapies, just, just sort of an innocent question, you know, it's like, and, and immediately his demeanor changed. I mean, he was just like, no, there are none. If you don't do chemotherapy, you're insane. And then he proceeded to just keep talking and talking and talking, like trying to talk me into chemo. And the message was very clear. If you don't do this, you're going to die. At, the, at that time, private practice oncologists were making up to two thirds of their income from the profit off of chemo drugs. Think about that. Two thirds of their income is drug profit. It's the only segment of the medical industry where doctors actually profit off of the drugs they prescribe. Uh, I didn't know that. But once you learn that, it's like, oh. Hmm. We left that appointment and I walked out into the larger waiting room area and went to the front desk and I made an appointment to get a port put in to start chemotherapy. I was, you know, just in a complete state of fear. Yeah. He was effective. He effectively manipulated me. Right. And you know, when you're in a state of fear, you can't make a good decision. Uh, my wife and I walked to our car and sat in her car and we just held hands and, prayed together and I just choked out a prayer. I mean, just, it was a really, really rough day, really rough. I walked into that appointment full of confidence, feeling good. I'd been on the raw food diet for a week and I walked out of there just completely hopeless. It was terrible. The, the spoiler is I got well. And I got well because I not only changed my diet, but I made a decision to change my whole life, right? I made a decision to take control of my life and my health, to not be a victim. And, and I, I, even though I made an appointment to start chemotherapy, I didn't go. 
when that day came, which was several weeks later, I, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to live or die on my own terms. And I talk about this in my book, I have a book called Chris beat cancer, which has all the details, everything I did. And uh, a lot of lot of science, a lot of anti cancer nutrition science. So you can, you can the reader can understand that this isn't just a guy who got lucky. There's so much incredible science on how food helps your body heal. And if you eat the right food, you help yourself. And if you eat the wrong food, you harm yourself. It's like, it's not complicated. And this is, these are things that anyone can do. I went on this health quest, <laughs> right? And uh, I found a naturopathic doctor. I found an integrative oncologist. I found people who would support me in my journey. And uh, eventually my family members came around, right? But it that just took time. And I just had to real, I had to be, okay with being alone sometimes you know when you're doing something that is out of the ordinary when you're swimming upstream uh, you're alone and you just have to be okay with it you know it's well and especially to... when it comes to your life and death situation i think yeah. that's where people even get more passionate of like you're killing yourself you know and we want to help you and we want to make this better and so they only know how to recommend the thing they know so I can yeah. see why people would get really passionate about being on your case about, no, don't do that. We don't know how that works, but do this. We don't know how this works, but it's more traditional. Yeah. The, you know, I started to find more and more survivors who had healed without chemotherapy or surgery or radiation, right? They had just changed their diet. They changed their life and they embraced this health and healing lifestyle and their bodies healed. Some, some people heal quickly in a few months. Some people take a few years. And I've interviewed a ton of these people. I've interviewed dozens and dozens and dozens of people who've healed all types and stages of cancer. And those interviews are, are free. You can find them on chrisbeatcancer.com, on my podcast, on my YouTube channel, on the Facebook page. I mean, I've been doing it. I've been doing this for over 12 years wow. publicly. So it's not about my story. My, I understand my story is in, inspiring, but there's so many more people besides me who have also healed, but changing your life is harder, hmm. but anyone can do it. Six and a half years later, I started blogging and making videos to share my story. It just, I couldn't get away from it. I tried and it was like, no, this is what I have to do. <laughs> you just have to tell people what yeah. worked for you. Cause it was so good. Yeah. yeah. People out there that need encouragement. And I, I just thought, okay, I can be, I can encourage people. I can give them hope. I just need to share my story. And then it just took over my life gradually. <laughs> the more I did it, the more I wanted to do it, you know, and the more feedback I got. And then I found, like I said, I kept finding other doctors and survivors and experts that were all like-minded. And, um, and I've been, interviewed a ton of those people as well, doctors and experts. So yeah, we're just we're just kind of pushing this this movement forward, which is a holistic healing, natural health. We have a lot of people in our community that are doing chemo, and that's fine. We love them, we support them. the The bigger message is not don't do chemo. That's not my message. My message is there's so much you can do to help yourself, and you need to learn and understand what those things are, right? And do them because healing happens at home. So it's what you're doing, whether you do chemo or not, it's what you're doing between treatments that can make all the difference between survival and death. 
right? What you're eating, how you're thinking, are you exercising, your relationships, your toxic environment, like these are all things that, that have to systematically be identified and addressed in your life. And you can do it. You can't do it all in one sitting, but you just start this process. Wow. That's what I've dedicated my life now to help people do through my books and I have a course. And so I just keep on keeping on. I'm really thankful for you to have me on your podcast and, you know, let me kind of share my story with your audience. Wow. That is amazing. Lemons to lemonade right there. Like the, yes. it's, it's life and death lemons to lemonade. And that's incredible. Yeah. So what would you recommend to someone who maybe is going through this or just kind of found out they have cancer or something? What would, what would be maybe their first step that you'd recommend they do? Well, you know, the very first video on my website is called what every cancer patient needs to know. It's 11 minutes long. Go watch that video. Okay. If you have cancer or if you have a loved one with cancer, just go watch that video. Let me explain to you in 11 minutes, like what you need to know. So that's how, where I would say start there. But I also have resources like I have a downloadable guide called 20 questions for your oncologist. Mm -hmm. And this is really important because most patients don't ask the right questions. And so they don't get the whole story. I mean, most patients don't even ask, is this treatment going to cure me or not? Yeah. <laughs> right? Those are the two best starting points for sure. Okay. Like you'll just, you'll just start to see if you, if you focus your attention on health and healing, you'll, you'll start to see and understand and believe. And that's the most important thing. You will begin to believe that healing is possible. And once you believe it's possible, you'll start to orient your life toward healing, right? You'll start to make those changes in your life that you didn't think mattered. So, and, wow. and let me just leave your viewers with a couple of very actionable things. The number one cause of cancer is smoking, hmm. right? So if you have cancer or you don't want to have cancer, don't smoke, stop smoking. Like that's the biggest thing you can do to help yourself <laughs> physically. The second is alcohol. Alcohol is a group one carcinogen, just like cigarettes. Doesn't mean you can't ever have a drink, but if you're drinking every day, your risk of cancer is significantly increased. Just one drink a day raises your risk. So you wanna limit al alcohol to once a week, few times a month or never. Like there's, there's no benefit you get from it other than like a little bit of feel good, <laughs> okay? Right. It's, it's not good for your cardiovascular system. <laughs> that's, that's, a prop that's propaganda, it's not true. It's not helping you be heart healthy. <laughs> um, uh, eating a plant-based diet, eating more plants, more fruits and vegetables, whole foods from the earth, whole grains, nuts and seeds, herbs and spices, legumes, eating food from the earth, right? More of that and less processed food, junk food, fast food, and animal products. And I talk about all this, the reasons why and the science behind it in my book, but that's the quick like advice, right? Okay. Focus on plant food. It's so good. And then the last thing, well, two things. Exercise. Exercise reduces your risk of lots of different types of cancer. It strengthens your immune system. And so a simple thing like exercising any way you want. Yeah. Six days a week. Doesn't even matter what, doesn't matter. Zumba, running, cycling, jujitsu, yeah. weightlifting, doesn't matter. Like do something you enjoy for at least half an hour to an hour a day. And then the last thing is, um, Forgiveness. You've got to forgive the people who've hurt you. Almost every cancer patient I've ever met had major resentment and bitterness and anger 
right? They're holding on to this pain That's from crazy. their past. Yeah. And when you hold on to the pain, guess what? You keep yourself in pain, yeah. right? And the only way out of that prison of pain is forgiveness. It's the only way out. And it doesn't matter if the person who hurt you is sorry. You can forgive them anyway. Yeah. And what forgiveness does is it releases you, it frees you, and it heals you. Yes. Because anger and bitterness and resentment raise your stress hormones, and those stress hormones suppress your immune system, and that makes you vulnerable to cancer and other diseases. So there's a physiological response that happens when you're stressed, you're angry, you're bitter, you're worried, you're resentful, you're envious. And so getting a hold of those emotions is so important and so powerful. And I had to do it myself. But the biggest one is, again, forgiving the people who've hurt you. Yeah. So that's five very actionable things. That's awesome. That we can close with, right? Yeah. Five yeah. things. Well, I'll, I'll recap. Don't smoke, don't drink or cut way back on it. Eat a plant-based diet, mostly plants. Exercise six days a week and forgive the people who've hurt you. Be quick to forgive, right? People are always going to hurt you, right? In big ways, small ways, but just be quick to forgive. Don't carry that anger with you because it will make you sick over time. Wow. I'm so glad you brought that up. I teach that all the time about forgiveness and how it's okay. just this poison you're carrying. Why carry it? It doesn't serve you and you need to just put it down and stop carrying it. So I'm so glad you said that. That's so true. It really does. It really affects your health. This has been so wonderful. I've learned so much and I'm so proud of you. I can't believe that you did this. This is incredible. I just love hearing about other ways that you can heal yourself, that it's not the traditional way that we think and it works. And I just think you can give a lot of hope and inspiration to others. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heidi. You know, I'm just you know, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to be a light in the dark. Right. 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 I, mean, I think you're just, definitely doing that. There's a lot of darkness out there. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of fear. And I'm just trying to be a light and just, just help do exactly what you said. Be that little spark of hope, right? To give people the hope and the belief and the encouragement yeah. that they're not a victim, right? That you can change yes. your life. And if you start changing your life, good things happen, right? You're creating your future with your decisions today. And like, you can yes. totally redirect the course of your life. Like that's power, right? That Victim power. means life just happens to you, right? Things just come at you and they just happen to you and it's never your fault, <laughs> right? That's the yes. victim's mentality. And the victorious mentality is no, most of my life is my fault, right? And, and so I'm gonna make decisions that produce good fruit. Anyway, I can talk for hours about this, no. but I just thank <laughs> you. That. I'm so thank thankful you. just to to hang out with you and be able to share my story with you story with your audience and uh, I appreciate what you're doing, Heidi. Thank you so much. You're still here? Well, then enjoy this little outtake from that interview. I have to know just out of pure curiosity, you're still doing the diet. You're still eating that way and, and doing all those things you learned 20 years ago. I still eat a plant-based diet. Yeah, absolutely. I know I'm not a hundred percent raw. Okay. But, and I don't believe anyone should be forever. That's, okay. that's a seasonal diet just for, yeah, it's an through. aggressive healing. diet. Right. Okay. Yeah. But then after but, that, it's not like you're 
yeah, it's not like you're like, oh, okay, I'm cured of cancer. Now I can go eat fast food and now I can have all this stuff again. You're just yeah, still I'm 45, sticking to- so, yeah. so I've still got a lot of life left and yeah. I still could get cancer living for tomorrow, basically. I eat healthy today because I want to be healthy tomorrow. I exercise today because I want to be fit tomorrow. That's so awesome. yeah, I'm, I'm still, still living still it. it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's, that's the hardest part I think is that people think they can do something for a little while and then they can kind of go back to how they were living before. It's like, well, that's fine. You're going to have the results that you had back when you were living that way. So you if you really want to make some changes, you have to make the changes. So that's good yeah, to hear. I, I liken it to a healthy diet only works if you stick with it. Yeah. You know? I mean, Absolutely. and so if you're not, you know, it'll benefit you in the short term, sure, but you can lose those benefits if you go back to eating tons of processed food, junk food, meat and dairy, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it really is a lifestyle. Right? You're making a change for life. Yeah. And I try to encourage people not to do it in a way that feels like you're trapped in this diet, you know, that, you, that it's perfectionism, like that's not healthy. Right. But just to think about it in a way well, there's two ways to, to convince somebody to do something, right? You can scare them into doing something, right? Or you can get them excited about doing it <laughs> yeah. because of, of the benefits. Of the benefit, yeah. And the scare yeah. tactics are useful. Like it's it's useful to, to know and be a little bit scared about getting cancer, right? That That's useful. But ultimately, it's good. I find that the better approach is that can really get people excited about all the wonderful benefits of eating healthy. Yeah. And they just want to. It fuels and, uh, you. It just fuels yeah. your body and it feels so much better to eat stuff that fuels you instead of fills you. It's a difference. Yeah. So yeah. Yes. Oh, well put. That. Well, thank you. Thank you. I just had to ask you. I'm like, I had to make sure because I'm sure you still are, <laughs> but I just had to make sure. I'm like, it's not just a one and done thing. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's how you live your life every day. And you're going to be like this forever and you'll be healthy. So that's amazing. That's Beautiful the goal. thing. I have enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.